Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. My name's Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening into episode 256. The Merino has been the backbone of Australian ag and though its popularity has lost a bit of ground with the rise of meat breeds, there's still plenty of confidence in its future. Tom Silcock has had a lifetime involvement in the wool industry. He was president of the Australian Merino Sire Evaluation Association and after personally hosting the first Balmoral Trials, has remained involved in running a sire evaluation for the past 25 years, including helping setting up the National Merino U Lifetime Productivity Trial and now consults to a number of Merino breeders across the country. We're very pleased to be joined by Tom today to discuss whether market changes will influence breeder ram choices, what the key attributes of the modern merino are, and what its place in the future of the Australian sheep industry is. The Balmoral Sara Valuation Field Day is also coming up on the 1st of March, so interested listeners, keep an eye out for more details to come on that event, which Rob will also be presenting at. As always, before we get into the episode, here are a few highlights from the markets this week. I feel like a bit of a broken record saying this, but the rain has continued in the east and livestock prices have continued to improve with it, with some particularly strong improvements in the sheep market. The mutton indicator ended this week above 200 cents for the first time since August. Heavyweight new season lambs are in strong demand and restocker lamb markets also rose strongly this week, encouraged by forward pricing for January and February. Interestingly, the Australian weather also seemed to move the wheat market needle. Reports that up to 1 million metric tonne of wheat is in immediate risk of being downgraded does tighten up high-protein milling wheat supplies in the export grid. More accurate estimates will come over the next couple of weeks, but at this stage, overall losses do appear to be limited. With harvest approximately 70-75% to complete across the nation, this rain event does not appear to be in the same category as those widespread damages to quality that occurred back in 2021-2022. That's it from me today. For more analysis and insights, make sure you're signed up to the Mercado mailing list. Enjoy the episode with Robert Herman and Tom Silcock. Thanks, Olivia. Yep, today, uh, one of my favourite subjects, I suppose, and people can say I do have a little bit of a leaning towards merino sheep and wool, but I'm also talking to somebody else who uh, I go back a long way with and uh, who's probably got an even, who's been even more um, passionate about the merinos. Tom, it's great to have you on Commodity Conversations for the first time, I think. Uh, great to be here with you. So um, you're involved in, well, you we were we were both involved in them in your stud, but in recent times you've uh, sold that on to the Currawira guys. Uh, a couple of weeks ago they had their ram sale. Um, how did that go? How did it compare with other years? I think uh, under the circumstances, everyone was pretty positive about the outcome. Uh, had a pretty good clearance uh, and uh, a reasonable sort of average under the circumstances of uh, uh, sixteen hundred. And eighty odd dollars, and uh, with uh, only a few that weren't cleared, and a lot of people bought some very good rams at a thousand dollars. So uh, the clients were very happy with what they put together. Now, we mentioned Tom that, um, or I mentioned that we go back a bit, um, and I was just looking back over some statistics. Andrew Woods did some work for us on Mercado the other week, looking at uh, sheep numbers, etc. But back in 1990, there was nearly 170 million sheep in Australia, Tom, and 
the wool clip then was about 90% merino. Now, if we go to where we are right now, we've got around 75 million sheep, give or take, and the clip is less than 80% merino. What happened to this great uh, fibre and sheep that we had? Uh, well, uh, some people will recall I was pretty heavily involved in some agro-politics in those days, and uh, perhaps this isn't the forum for that, but uh, certainly, you know, one of the things that happened is the market uh, overheated and burned itself out. And when you have an overheated market, something has to correct. Uh, and then it lost all its confidence and government got involved and there was a lot of other things that happened. So as I say, we won't get into the depths of that, but basically the market lost its confidence and a lot of people got badly burnt because they were holding stocks uh, either in raw wool, semi-processed or in garments. And so you've had a massive correction uh, and then it's taken a long time to build up that confidence again. Now, the wool market uh, is selling everything it's producing. Uh, there is uh, and never has stopped being a desire for wool. Um, you know, I've had uh, relatives, uh, grandfather and an uncle heavily involved as uh, key wool buyers over the years, and uh, my father involved in uh, the wool corporation. Um, never has the customers stop wanting to use wool. It's all about price and confidence. And uh, obviously, many years ago, wool was one of the main fibres for the for the world. And now it's uh, what you would call a quality fibre that is uh, not essential. And it's been some of the essential fibres are no longer wool. Um, and wool is therefore a, a premium priced product. Uh, well sought after, but it needs to uh, needs good economic terms and times to have good demand. The fibre market continues to grow, and at the same time, well production of uh, merino wool has declined. So we can't have that same influence. But um, there's been some a lot of our merino breeders have have benefited from. Uh, what's well, been really strong sheep meat prices in in recent times, and we we know where things are now. But in general, we've seen that rally over the last ten years. That's encouraged the shift to more meat focus for sheep breeders, and also for merino breeders to start to look at their fertility and and meat characteristics. It's interesting though. MLA point out that nineteen micro wool is now worth twice the price of lamb. Um, is this likely to influence breeder ram choices in the future, Tom? Well, without being too critical of those that haven't moved with trends and genetic opportunity and potential, um, the merino of today compared to the merino of 20-odd, uh, let alone 30 years ago, uh, is a totally different animal for a lot of people. There, there are still merinos that are around that still represent uh, uh, typical of those animals back then. But in this day and age, we've got fantastic opportunities to change the genetic and the makeup of the merino sheep that we've got. And uh, we've got things like genomics, which is only relatively new and really driving, helping to drive change. So we've got lots of tools available to us. So the merino of the future is a dual purpose merino. Um, and, and it is delivering on both uh, meat and wool. And it's got the early growth now, as well as high fertility. And yet there's still some people out there in the industry that are still think 70% lambing is acceptable and um, it's all about wool production. And, and they most of those people grow a very nice wool clip. 
but you can have that same high quality wool now on a dual purpose, early growth, high fertility animal. And the new tools that we've got available uh, with breeding values and genomics and uh, all the extra uh, data that we can collect and now use has really enabled us to transform the sheep that we're all focused on, or a lot of us are focused on now. And you know, my view is that uh, we can have it all now. Uh, we can have an animal that is very much like a crossbred type animal, but delivers with that wool quality and, and production as well. Um, and we're getting that early growth and we're now seeing merino lambs selling in in competition against the crossbreds. Uh, and my uh, I'm looking forward to actually running the crossbreed business out of town because um, the merinos will be able to match it with uh, the meat traits and yet deliver the benefit of wool quality wool as well. The the modern merino though you're right is a is a really different sheep and I I also note Will Barton who who speaks to us quite regularly made an interesting comment Tom that uh, where he grades his lambs you know on on a number of quality attributes including lean meat yield and intramuscular fat the best results he's had have come from merinos. Yeah. But also the worst results have come from merinos. So there's a big range there, isn't there? A a absolutely. And I guess that's what I was trying to identify. You know, there's some people that are still running merinos and, and genetics like they were 30 years ago. Uh, but there's a lot of people, and I'd like to think that I'm associated with some of them, uh, that are really out there at the cutting edge. And, and we're, you know, we're, we're now using ram lambs to produce lambs out of ewe lambs. Um, you know, that was unheard of a few years ago um, and, and doing a good job of it. And, uh, you know, to me, the excitement is quite incredible. You know, it's it's a great space to be in. Um, and although we've seen some pretty ordinary times commercially, you know, with some of the product prices, uh, with, with the extra fertility and the quality wool, you know, extra numbers and, and um, some of the trial work results just coming out recently highlight that one of the most important profit drivers per sheep at the moment is fertility and that's sort of not new to most of us um but there's traditionally the industry wool industry probably wouldn't uh appreciate that and understand that as well as it should these days what you're talking about tom is um is is a lot about the breeding and the genetics but from a commercial perspective um what are the what are the other things that are going to encourage people to take on board the modern merino and hopefully build the flock a bit um I, I think you know you've got some key profit drivers uh and that's uh wool cup micron and uh number of lambs weaned you know like they are probably the fundamental and early growth you know they're the key ones that actually deliver your profit line but around those just as important if not more important for management is likes of dag um, and uh, worm resistance and uh, whether or not an animal needs to be mules, but just generally speaking, it's doing ability, you know, the condition score of an animal. Now, all of those things are now available in breeding value, so you can actually predict in advance what your genetics is going to produce because people are focusing on those profit drivers and the ease of management and doing ability. is You can never have enough of that, and we're getting that in these new uh, lots of genetics that we're producing. One of the perceptions, and it's a challenge for the merinos, is that merinos are hard work. Um, do you agree? And or how can this be improved? How or even how can this perception be improved? Um, so, some of them certainly are, 
and there's no doubt about that. And and I think especially uh, Western Victoria, you know, we're renowned for being uh, wet, cold, miserable uh, winters. Uh, and, and, you know, there's been this sort of talk about, you know, the merinos and they curl up and die. And, and, and some of the, you know, good genetics that are perhaps very well suited to other areas of Australia just can't survive it in Western Victoria. You know, it's just too tough for them. But at the same time, we've now got really top genetics that, that do, does thrive uh, in Western Victoria and gives you that doing ability. And that early growth is the starting point. You know, you, you've got to have the lambs jump out. And I always say they've got to hit 32 kilos. And until you've got your lambs at 32 kilos, you know, you can't go on holidays or do anything else. And you just got to keep pushing them. Because once you get to 32 kilos, then you can start to back off a bit. But we've actually got some things that I'd love to see. And I'm just sick of waiting for them, like walkover weighing. And I'm sick of talking about that. But we were trolling that uh, with uh, our soil evaluation trial well over 10 years ago. And we had, you know, a model basically available but those sort of tools along with um, virtual fencing you know they're two massive changes that are on the horizon that will change the way we run our sheep but to be able to actually monitor the tail end of your lambs and know when they're not putting on weight you know that's well before any of our eyes can tell it um, and and those sort of opportunities will take us to another level help to improve our conception rates uh, and our number of lambs weaned and all those other traits, as well as having a better consistent uh, con uh, better consistent wool growth nutrition. So, Tom, you, just, you actually just touched on uh, and mentioned the um, SIRE evaluation now. You, you've been heavily involved in the Balmoral trials. They, they're now evolved into, you know, one of the leading SIRE evaluation um, projects in Australia and certainly... Uh, and, and the world from Merinos. Just give us a little bit of background about that, including, um, you know, what you've got coming up, what field days you've got coming up, and how people can um, tap into that knowledge. Um, it goes back, I guess I was heavily involved in running weather trials in the Balmoral area for many years. And unfortunately, uh, Yoni's uh, did a lot of damage to across our industry. And one of the things it also caused was um, shutting down that uh, weather trial because people couldn't bring their genetics to a single place without the risk of spreading yonis. Uh, so unfortunately we closed our weather trial down um, and on the back of that we were looking for what else we could do wanting to have commercial evaluation and so we got involved in hosting uh, the first Balmoral weather trial on our host property uh, the Mountain Dam back in 98-99 and I've been heavily involved in running soil evaluation trials both uh, locally in Balmoral area as well as nationally ever since. And because measurement uh, and prediction of the future is, you know, we, we can never um, see the future quick enough. And uh, soil evaluation is a really good way to road test genetics in our environment. Um, you can have the best sheep in the world, but that doesn't mean to say it'll do any good in your world. Um, and so I've been heavily involved with that trial. And, and the beauty of SIRE evaluation is it's uh, grower, largely grower funded and uh, grower run, and it targets what growers want to know. And so we've been heavily involved in a lot of um, trial work with our um, genetic comparison. Uh, it's sort of hand in hand, and we're always looking for new things to test and try. 
including, as I say, we did the walkover weighing trials you know, well over 10 years ago and proved the concept, but unfortunately we still haven't got the commercial model available to us. Oh, well, I'm sure with your um, enthusiasm and endeavours, Tom, it'll get there. So we've been speaking today to Tom Silcock. Um, Tom is really widely known and respected in the Merino industry. Tom, uh, you sound like you're pretty confident still about the wool industry. Uh, it's got so many upsides, you know, like, and I think, you know, the, the wool industry of 30 years ago would be in, you know, trouble. Um, but the wool industry of today, you know, and, and the genetics that we've got and the and the potential that's, you know, at our fingertips now is so exciting. Um, and, and there's things that we're not measuring well enough at the moment, uh, like sort of lamb survival and some of those things, you know, they're a bit of a, an Achilles heel. And people said, you know, you couldn't have a merino that you... Uh, that you couldn't mules. Well, you know, there's plenty of genetics out there now that doesn't need mulesing. Uh, you know, we've still got some issues to deal with, but at the end of the day, we've got merinos that are really good doing. Uh, early growth have that super quality wool that you can never not have enough of and cutting heaps of it. And, and you know, with um, bare breech, heavy cutting sheep, people said you couldn't have that, but we've got it and we're doing it. Well, there you go. The, the lamb industry's got uh, Sam Kekovich. The wool industry's got Tom Silcock as the ambassador. Terrific, Tom. Well done. Well spoken. Um, all the best. And we look forward to catching up again soon on Commodity Conversations. Thanks, Rob.